everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today is our monthly Midtown Comics uh, podcast. So uh, I guess I'm still going to be working on the name. I think it'll just be the Midtown Monthly Comics. But um, every every month I, I pre-order uh, comics from Midtown Comics uh, two months in advance off of the previews. Typically I do that for variant covers and other issues that maybe are kind of expensive because when you pre-order them two months in advance, you get them 35% off. So it actually saves you quite a bit of money. The only drawback, obviously, is that you have to wait a month or two months to get them. And even at that point, I get mine shipped monthly. So uh, there's comics in this pile that I'm going to be sharing with you guys that probably came out a couple weeks ago to a month ago, and uh, I don't get them until right now. And the, the weirdest thing is that Midtown does this weird shipment where it's it's on a rolling four weeks. I don't know wh- how it happened with me, but I get mine now, I guess, the second week of, of the month when I, I would rather just get them at the end of the month, but for some reason they've got me getting them the second of the month. So these comics are, a lot of them are from July and um, and some of them are from these first two weeks of August as well. But uh, surprisingly, in this set, I, I do get some DC comics as well. I know I don't talk about DC comics very often, but uh, I will be reviewing a couple of those as well. And um, just so you're aware too, um, spoilers ahead for some of these stories. Uh, I'll try my best not to spoil anything too important, but uh, overall, in order for me to talk about this stuff, I think it's going to be important to say some of the things that happened during the issues. Obviously, so that you guys can decide if you want to pick them up or uh, check them out, obviously, when they come in the future on Marvel Unlimited. For the DC ones, I can't say the same unless maybe you have a Hoopla account because most of DC stuff comes on Hoopla. So first up is um, Batman, The Last Night on Earth, book number two. This is by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and it's part of the DC Black Label run. Uh, it's a three-issue series, and these uh, these run you $5.99 a piece because um, they're bigger. They're, they're in this prestige format. They look really nice. And um, this, this series, the nice thing about Black Label is, and I wish Marvel had this, but um, it's these stories that creators can tell that have no bearing at all on the regular DC universe. So, you know, anything can happen in these stories. And that's kind of what's been going on in this uh, Last Night on Earth series because uh, a lot of weird things happened in it. And um, I'll, I'll preface this right now. I, I like DC comic characters. I don't read a lot of DC comics. I read some, some of the stories like um, during, I think it was DC Rebirth. I read a lot of those stories which was the New 52, I think is what they had called it, which was when Scott Snyder was doing Batman. Um, I believe Brian Azzarello was doing Wonder Woman, and Jeff Jeff Johns was doing Justice League and Flash and um, Shazam. I read all of those. Those were so good. But um, since then, I haven't really read much DC just because I'm, I'm mostly Marvel, and DC has a lot of titles that I don't know anything about, and so it's really hard for me to try to jump on anything, and that's why I really like these black label comics because you don't have to know anything other than who the characters are. So this is the second issue of Batman The Last Night on Earth, and um, interestingly enough, this does not have a recap page. Uh, from the prior issue, but essentially, if I remember correctly, Batman woke up in the hospital and um, is looking for answers. I think this is sort of set in the future. He has Joker, Joker's head in a lantern that he carries around with him, with a, which is actually really cool. But uh, in this issue, he's kind of, uh, he's with Joker, and I think he's just looking for answers. And uh, there's some weird stuff that happens. They're like, 
flying around the earth basically they run into um this flash point this uh speed force storm and the fla- all the flashes are in there and they're like help me and that was pretty cool to see it they didn't end up getting helped but uh then they went to the nuclear man's base and there's a bunch of people fighting there and they kind of just passed by them and then from there, we get a cutscene with Bane and Scarecrow, who are actually on the cover of this issue. And so we kind of see where the story's headed. They're working for some person named Omega, who apparently Alfred knows, but we don't know who it is yet. And so eventually, Batman ends up going to the Fortress of Solitude and finds that Lex Luthor is the one living there and has created all of these supermen, these like fake supermen. And the story's actually really sad. He says that... In the past, he challenged Superman to a debate of good versus evil. Essentially, in front of the whole world, they would debate, and they he had like embedded a Krypton crystal inside everyone on Earth. And so after the debate, they would pick who won in their head, essentially. And whoever won, the other person died. And so Lex, Lex Luthor was perfectly content with dying, and what ends up happening is obviously Superman wins, but what ends up happening is Superman dies. So now Lex Luthor is now um, like trying to find Superman, and and so again, like I said, it's very it's very different than what your typical comic is, but no, nonetheless interesting. Wonder Woman gets involved, and then they go into this this weird world, and there's a, a, a lot of question marks that I have reading this thing, and I think it'll make more sense after I read the third issue, but. Um, it's a good it's a good comic and I, I enjoy Scott Snyder and especially when it's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo because I loved what they did with Batman and so that was nice I also read Batman the Batman who laughs issue number seven which is the final issue in that um, series also by Scott Snyder and artist Jock and um, I really liked this series I thought it was really good it seemed like it was a little long I don't think it needed to be seven issues in a one shot but I actually liked the one shot the best and that was the Grim Knight which is a Batman who um, he kills people with guns and so these Batman are from different alternate realities the Batman who laughs is a uh, is the Batman with the Joker virus so he's he's super cool and he's super creepy and I won't spoil how the book ends. I'll just recommend that if you haven't read this or heard about it, that you should check it out for sure. It's actually coming out in a collected version, I think, in a month or so. Um, but I just there were some really cool variant covers, and that's why I was picking that up to read. And same goes for this other series that I'm really enjoying, which is De- Deceased. It's spelled DC East, Deceased that way, because um, it's the DC Universe dying. And it's by Tom Taylor, and um, I believe it's Greg Hersine. Um, I'm going to have to double-check on that. But um, the story is about a, uh, a group, basically this infection, the life... Uh, the anti-life equation, which is uh, having to do with uh, dark side, and guys, I, I gotta tell you, you gotta be, you're gonna have to be nice with me with this. Like I said, I'm not following anything DC. Uh, Trevor Hairsign is the penciler, and um, so again, this is completely set out of continuity. But essentially, it's the Marvel zombies for the DC universe, and so there's this uh, this anti-life equation thing that's going around infecting people who even, it can infect you if you look at a screen, so you can imagine people get infected pretty fast, and so a lot of big heroes have already died in this series, and it's just a one through six series with, a, I think, an extra one shot attached, but um, it's really good, and this issue, um, it's I think it's the nuclear man, um, 
gets infected and so he ends up exploding and and that's what happens at the end of this issue it's it's pretty insane but just some of the the best thing i think about this this series is it's doing a lot of things you typically don't see like superheroes killing each other because they have to because these zomb- they're basically zombies at this point and then a lot of really sad touching moments between characters because like i said a lot of big name characters have already died in this series because this uh this uh, virus has uh, has just run rampant everywhere. So I would really recommend reading this one. Again, this also I think is coming out in collected form very soon. But uh, those were the three DC ones that I read. Uh, and the rest of these are Marvel. And so I'm actually really excited to talk about these ones because these were really good. These are some really good comics. And uh, I'm kicking myself in the butt for some of these. The first one being Swordmaster, which is, um, I had said I was reading Arrow. And uh, Swordmaster was the other one about a. It's an, essentially an Asian superhero, uh, and it's a it's a dual story. So there's a story called The Sword and the Tomb, written by Shuzu and art by Gunji, but it's adapted by Greg Pak. And then Swordmaster and Shang Chi Master Class, written by Greg Pak, art by Ario Anandito, and color art by Rochelle Rosenberg, along with lettering by VCs Travis Lanham on uh, on both of those. But um, it was really good. So um, Sword Man, and that's why I say I'm kicking myself because I only ordered the first issue. I wanted to see if I liked it. And I, I, I may be able to hold off until it comes out on Marvel Unlimited, but I don't know because essentially the Swordmaster is uh, in the original story, the first story, it seems like it's being adapted from something um, that was already written, but he's, he's looking for his dad. And the, the whole backstory of this guy is, his name is Lin, Lin Lai, and Len Lai grew up on tales from ancient Chinese history and mythology. His father was an archaeologist, and Lai and his brother used to accompany him on expeditions, seeking adventures like the ones in the stories about heroes and demons. One day, his father brought home a sword from an archaeological site in the Valley of a Thousand Tombs. Shortly after, he disappeared, leaving behind the sword and a mystery only Lai can solve. So, um, and then also this up at the very top, it just says, Descended from a legendary emperor, Lin Lai protects the world from evil with the ancient mystical sword of Fuji. Uh, this makes him the brave spirited swordmaster. And I don't know if I said that right, but it's F U, uh, not you guys, just the word, and X I, which I think is G. Uh, I'm not sure. So it's, it's really interesting because this is sort of his origin. He still doesn't really know how to work the sword. But he's having some dreams about his dad, and he's trying to find out where his dad is. So he does some digging and talks with some people who were actually with his dad when he got um, when he got taken by this apparently giant red storm. And so he's he's now on the hunt looking for his dad, which is an interesting story. But what is almost more interesting is the the second story by Greg Pak with Shang Chi. Shang Chi is just I cannot wait to see him in in the movies because he's one he's one of my favorites just due to his dedication and his power and he he definitely displays that here show, trying to teach um, the sword master some skills because I guess people are coming after him and by the end of this issue uh, we find out and I'm really I've got some questions on this because this character it looks like who's now going to be coming after him I thought this person was dead. And this was one of my, I wouldn't call it favorite deaths, but one of my most memorable deaths in comics. Um, and I won't, I won't spoil what, just so that you guys can um, check it out. But this character, all I'll say is this character died in Siege, and he was killed by my favorite, one of my favorite heroes, the Sentry. 
And uh, I thought that was it for him, but apparently he's back. And so this one, like I said, I may end up picking up the the next few issues of this uh, because this issue came out a long time ago. I think issue two is already on the shelves, um, but I really enjoyed that series. And then next up is Arrow number two, which also was great. The uh, The Arrow story is by Zhao uh, Lifen and artist Kang and adapted by Greg Puck as well. And then the backstory, or the second story is Arrow and Wave, who's another character written by Greg Puck, art by Popman, and a colorist, uh, Frederico Blee. And VC's Joe Caramanga did the the um, the letters. Kind of weird that two different VC uh, employees did two of these different stories when they're basically kind of the same. Um, so in this one, it was interesting because, I, I, like I said, Greg Puck is adapting these stories. So some of these themes in these stories are not the typical things that you would see in a comic book and so at this point lee is invest or um what is her name yeah lee lung right um yeah lee she uh she's uh, she has these wind powers and she's really powerful she's incredibly powerful she can control air and during this issue she can like detect people from far away by feeling the air currents and she's fighting these giant like monolith uh, monsters that are created out of skyscrapers essentially that she built because she's an architect which is sounds complicated it is but it makes sense while you're reading it but what what's weird is she's like she's eating dinner with her boyfriend and there's all these indications that he's going to propose and she seems to know that he's going to and she keeps doing things to prevent him from proposing and I'm sure that's because she doesn't want you know to do that right now but it just was a really interesting way of doing it because I've never really seen that in comics before but she's got some cool power-ups in here and then the second story as well is sort of getting interesting it got off to a slow start and it's slowly slowly moving forward I'm just interested in it because I like these characters um, so I would recommend this story as well like I said, these are obviously not the, the comics I'm racing to get out to uh, and read, but I like them nonetheless. And that's what that's one thing I'll quickly say as I move on to these next ones is Marvel is consistently making a ton of great comics. They obviously are making some phenomenal, mind-blowing comics like um, uh, Hickman's stuff and, and, in my opinion, everything that Donny Cates is doing and a lot of the other things as well. But I have I don't think I've read there's a very few and you'll see when I review them on Marvel Unlimited but there's probably 3 or 4 series that I don't read regularly even on Marvel Unlimited and top of my head like Deadpool and um that's the only one I can think of right now, but there's just so, and I'm sure those ones are good too. I just haven't jumped onto them yet, but Marvel just does a really good job of telling stories and letting these writers tell stories. So all of these books are so different and yeah, I mean, art is subjective. You know, some of these you may not like, but in my opinion, I think they're just making a ton of great stories right now. So it doesn't really matter what you're reading as long as you're reading something. And there's, there really is something for everybody in these. So the next one is Magnificent Miss Marvel, issue number five, and that's by Saladin Ahmed and Minkyu Zhang with um, Juan Blasco and Ian Herring. And I don't think they, yeah, they didn't mention it, but VC's uh, Joe Caramanga is the one doing the lettering. Um, this is an interesting story. Um, basically, Kamala is a, uh, she's taken to this planet or is asked to come to this planet to be their savior. So there's apparently this prophecy and um, I'll read it real quick. Kamala's mother recently revealed their daughter's double life to her father. So that's a really interesting concept as well. Both of her parents know 
that um, she's Miss Marvel, which is really cool. And um, her father demanded that Kamala hang up the Miss Marvel costume for good, but that conversation came to a screeching halt when the three peculiar alien mages appeared in Jersey City and claimed Kamala was their destined one, who will save their planet from destruction. The mages brought Kamala and her parents to King Malakzir's place on the planet of Safa, where they learned about the original destined one a woman who saved Safa from the Beast Legions years ago and bore a striking resemblance to Miss Marvel. But when Kamala discovered rebel leader Cheb Hura being tortured in the King's Dungeon, the Khans helped Cheb escape. It wasn't long before Malak found them, but there's a larger problem at hand. The Beast Legions have returned, as the prophecy foretold. So this is an interesting one. There's a there's a big battle in here, Miss Marvel doing good and kicking butt, along with some great interactions with her parents, showing how much they approve of her now, of being a superhero, how proud they are of her. And um, so she jumps on this ship, and this in this issue, she gets a new costume. And so I won't spoil the, the backstory of that because I was actually kind of upset when Marvel spoiled that she gets a new costume in this issue. Um, it would have been a nice surprise. But uh, it's it's a really interesting piece of, of what happens next. And then the ending is super weird. This is something where I would, I would love to hear if any of you guys are reading this or um, if you have thoughts on it because... They they obviously they win. There's no question there. But they get sent back. Her and her parents, and this mage who's sending her back, essentially the guy who um, was helping her is kind of her age, and and they were sort of having a thing. And her parents would keep saying nope, nope, nope. And so that was actually pretty funny. But when they're leaving, he whispers into the mage's ear and then says farewell, Kamala. I think your troubles will be fewer when you return home. And I was like, oh, cool, I wonder what that means. But then the next two pages reveal that her troubles seem to be getting only worse. So I'm wondering what this guy meant when he said that he was going to make her troubles less because that did not happen. It it, uh, it was quite the opposite, obviously, to uh, our or to future comics because now there's going to be more stories. But just interesting. I, I don't know why that was the choice, especially after everything we've gained in these last five issues. Um, but hey, I'm I'm going to be reading the next issue to see, and we'll we'll find out. And then and that next issue actually comes out next week, so I'll be reviewing that live on Wednesday next week. Uh, the next one is Avengers 22, and this is the start of the um, the challenge of the Ghost Riders, which I'm really excited for because I love Cosmic Ghost Rider, I love regular Ghost Rider, and this this issue particularly is called the Exorcism at Avengers Mountain. It's by Jason Aaron and Stefano Caselli, along with um, Jason Keith and VCs Corey Petit. And so what's what's happening in this story is um, Gabriel is it not Gabriel Gabriel Luna it's Robbie is the uh, the Ghost Rider kind of from the Agents of Shield show this came out before Agents of Shield but he has a car that catches on fire and he has a really bad relationship with his car he his car is essentially possessed and trying to um, I guess hurt him corrupt him and so he's one of the Avengers so he takes the car to Avengers Mountain and is talking about how you know how bad it is what's going on and so Black Panther says well I called an expert and so who shows up but um, Damien Hellstrom and essentially says he's going to perform an exorcism and so that was actually really cool Jason Aaron is such a dramatic writer the way that he writes this stuff 
Uh, Damien Hellstrom shows up and says, you're lucky you're not all vomiting blood and screaming at one another in Latin. If you Avengers plan on surviving this experience with your pathetic souls intact, I suggest you do exactly what I say from here on out. And I was like, wow, okay, man. And what's funny is he kind of looks like Jason Aaron in this, the way that Stefano Caselli drew him, but hey, I don't care. He looks badass. And then the secondary story, which is, is almost more intriguing to me, is Thor, Okoye, and Iron Man, and also She-Hulk are still dealing with some stuff from the War of the Realms cleanup, basically, and they're in uh, they're in Turkey. And there's this cave that they said that a bunch of pe- a bunch of Wakandans have gone into this cave and have fled, and they're like the mightiest Wakandan uh, miners, and and unknown why. So they get in there and they found a a um, fossilized metal Iron Man helmet that dates back to 1 million BCE, and no one knows why this is in this cave or what's going on. And that, and that's all we kind of learn about in this issue. But it was like, ooh, that's really interesting. What's going on there? So I'm really curious about that. And then the ending of the issue kind of sets up the race for the Ghost Riders. So if that's something that you're going to be interested in, in seeing all of your Ghost Riders, your favorite Ghost Riders race, may want to check that out. Um, but now we're moving ahead. The next issue is Fearless. And this is, I was really excited to, to start on this series. I pre-ordered all of the variant covers. So it's a four-issue series, and there's a four-issue um, Jenny Friesen connecting variant cover that just has all these female um, characters drawn so beautifully. So this issue, the cover actually has Emma Frost, Ironheart, that's Riri Williams, Scarlet Witch, and America Chavez, which, and it just looks great. But this is a really cool series. It's, like I said, it's just four issues, and they're all, they're all essentially, not one-shots, but they're all $4.99, so they're, they're bigger comics. But this was a, a uh, sort of initiative that Marvel was doing to spotlight women, both in the stories and in the book itself. So, all there's three stories that are running through these ones and some of them i can see is probably going to be one shots where i think there's going to be a through line in the first story which is called campfire song written by uh, shannon mcguire and art by claire Rowe, and color art by rochelle rosenberg and she also does the color art for the second story which is style high club written by leah williams and art by nina vicueva or vercuvia and then the third one is Unusual Suspects, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Carmen Carnero, and color art by Tamara Bonvalon. And if that sounds familiar, that's because that is the entire creative team for the current Captain Marvel run right now. But so, like I said, you'll see a theme here. All of these are women. So this was, uh, I saw this too on the, during San Diego Comic-Con, they were really pushing this this series, saying, we're really proud of this series. It's uh, essentially spotlighting all the wonderful women that both work at Marvel and are in Marvel stories. And um, I love that. I think that's awesome. So I really wanted to check that out. And I really like this story. I can tell that it's setting up for something interesting. I just don't know it yet. So that first story is about this camp for young girls and Invisible Woman, Captain Marvel, and Storm are all being asked to come speak there. And we don't see them do that yet. All three of them are kind of dealing with their own thing. But the the sort of through line in here is that the people at the camp initially are like, oh, you know, are these people going to show up? Are they going to are they going to show up or something? And because they're superheroes, right? Like, you know, they may not show up because they've got other things to do. And sure enough, all three of them are like tentative at wanting to come. They're all like, oh, I don't know if I should go. And there's somebody in each of them trying to convince them to go, which is kind of nice to see that they're not, you know, they're doing some superhero stuff in here. But for the most part, it's more of just talking, which I always love seeing with my characters. 
And then the second story is about Millie the model, which is a an old time. I think it's an old timey Marvel character. She's just she's Millie the model, and it was an inter- It was actually a really I enjoyed reading it just for the art alone was beautiful, and the final page spread. They're all obviously all modeling. And so you find out what the final picture is in the mo- of the the thing they're trying to sell, which is a new fragrance, and uh, the the splash page of that is it's a really good looking page. So I would definitely recommend recommend checking this book out because then the third one is more of a throwaway, and that's why I said okay, this is a uh, um, a one shot. It's literally f- um, three pages, and it's it's a conversation. And this is not even uh, a spoiler because I think this is something that would you should check out. Um, Elisa Bloodstone or Elsa Bloodstone is like in jail or something and so she's calling Jessica Jones and is like hey can you please come bring all the money that you can to bail me out and she's like why what's going on and she like gets there and it's Elsa's in jail but inside the jail is all of the baby Scotty Young babies of female characters uh, which is awesome because I used to collect the Scotty Young variant covers and um, I've since sold a lot of them but I had like maybe 120 of them and uh it's so cool to see it's uh captain marvel valkyrie storm uh spider woman uh wolverine uh, which is laura kinney i'll call her wolverine i don't care i think she's great wolverine and then uh, she hulk hazmat uh, monica rambeau i think spectrum i don't know what name she goes by right now miss marvel gwenpool and hawkeye that's the kate bishop hawkeye and then at the end is a writer artist sort of spotlight so this week or this issue they spotlighted the creative team for captain marvel which was kelly thompson carmen carnero and tamara bonvalin and um which was great and great to read so i'm really excited for the rest of these and also excited to see these jenny friesen covers on this so if you love that kind of stuff check this check this book out because like i said i really enjoyed it and i think honestly my pick of the week is this final book or my it's called the pick of the month and this is certainly a pick of the month for sure which is the history of the marvel universe issue number one this is by mark wade and pencils by javier rodriguez with inks by alvaro lopez and vcs joe caramanga doing the lettering uh the i got the variant covers through midtown was what i was doing and so these are actually javier rodriguez variant covers as well and they're beautiful i did not really know what to expect with this series because i am a huge fan of history i love history you know in in the real world but even more so i love history in the marvel universe because it's such a uh, colorful history that stretches back so far and there's a lot of discrepancies and so for marvel's 80th anniversary this year they said that this book they're essentially defining the history of the marvel universe and that to me i said sign me up that's awesome and the reason that i did this on marvel unlimited and i'm I'm realizing now that um i think i made a mistake is uh they're 4.99 but they were marketed as 32 pages and so they've been doing that recently where they they're doing 4.99 for 32 pages instead of 3.99 i mean ever since i've been collecting marvel keeps raising their prices but at some point you have to take a stand right you've got to say i'm not going to keep paying these prices for these premier stories quote unquote i'm quoting in air quotes premier stories um and so what better way to get them than to just pre-order them on midtown i pay 324 for the comic so even less than 399 uh, which is a good deal but this book is not 32 pages this is a thick heavy book and the reason for that is after the issue is done then they go into every single piece of history that was touched on in this issue and reference where it comes from so just as an example 
the I mean, and I'll grab a random one in here that's not too long um, because a lot of holy cow, a lot of stuff has come up in here. But so, just for example, for Than they talk about when Thanos was born. They've got a whole section in here with a picture from when Thanos was born, along with referencing his brother, father, and then it says that Thanos's arrival is in Thanos Rising one through five, twenty thirteen. So they're specifically showing you that yeah, this is the history, and this is why we're proving it by showing you the prior issues that it comes in, but. The essential story, and again, why I would just tell you to jump on this, is it's at the end of time, and Franklin Richards and Galactus, just like from Hickman's story, are the only people left in the universe. And um, they, and I'm going to just read this to you because I, I want you to check this out, and it's so short. Um, Galactus says, are you ready? And Franklin says, yes. No. Final entropy isn't yet complete. I can sense a few last living particles here and there. There are two left in the Andromeda galaxy, each terrified of leaving the other alone. And then Galactus says, or no, but he says, we have a little time before the universe dies. And Galactus says, what troubles you? He says, for one thing, we've known each other for billions of years. I'll miss you. You're not afraid to die? And Galactus says, it is my purpose. My energies are all that remain to create the next universe, your new home. After I move on, and then Franklin says, after I move on, I'll still have my memories, won't I? Sorry, you know, for sure, I get that. Or, oh, let me say it said a little differently. He says, sorry, you don't know for sure, I get that. But if it's all forgotten, then how did any of it matter in the end? I want the history of this universe to have meant something. It's important to me. Before I go, help me remember. And Galactus says, remember what? And Franklin says, everything. And Galactus says, very well. And then the story starts, and it's literally just these, every single thing is just two-page splash pages of absolutely everything. So buy this book for Javier Rodriguez's art alone, and that literally knowing every page is just a splash page of constant pieces of history. Every single thing. Like I said, if you're wondering if they touch everything, I was worried that five, because it's a five-issue miniseries, and I was worried that would they wouldn't be able to touch all of it. They're 100% going to be able to touch all of it. In this issue, we go from the creation of the universe, which is, um, it says, your universe was created from the eruption of another dying reality. It was into this new existence that I, its sole human survivor, Galen of Ta, emerged without shape, without form. All the way up until the very end of this issue, which is North in Alberta, Canada, the wealthy John and Elizabeth, How Elizabeth Howlett parented a son. The frail boy James Howlett was unaware that his true father was their abusive groundskeeper Thomas Logan. Despite his weak and timid childhood, James would grow up to become fierce and strong beyond imagining. To be continued. But um, I'm, I'm seeing splash pages with all of the Marvel Western characters. You get stuff about Silver Surfer. And I'm just going to touch on these because I don't want to even tell you what they say. But I'm seeing Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. I'll, I'll start at the beginning, actually. You get all the beings of the universe. Eternity. Uh, li the Living Tribunal. Master Order. Lord Chaos. The Infinity Gems. Um, the first uh, people, the the Akanti, or the first life, the Akanti. We learn about the McCran Crystal, the Phoenix Force, the Elders of the Universe, Eternity beget Eon, the Celestials, the Watchers, Galactus, the Brood, um, the the Avengers from the 1000 or 1 million BC. We learn about Gaia, the Mother of Earth. Um, 
there's a lot of people in here too that I read that I had no idea who these people were. They're that deep of a cut. Scrawls, uh, the Savage Land, the Shi'ar, the Nova Corps. And this is under this is all one splash page. The Kree, and then the blue area of the moon. There's the Avengers of one million BC, the Celestials creating the Eternals, the uh, what well, looks to be, I guess, the other people trying to mess with humanity as well. Vampires, the um, creation of Atlantis, the um, Ulysses Bloodstone, Selene Gallio, and these are this is just crazy. Fin Fang Foom, Wakanda, the Unimind, Eros and Thanos, the uh, Apocalypse, Ramatut. And I'm skipping some of these too, so I don't because I don't want to give you all of it. Um, the hand, the chaste, Thor having or Thor being born, the Black Knight, um, Arthur Pendragon, the Darkhold, Mephisto, uh, the Destroyer, the second host of Celestials, um, the Ancient One, multiple Ancient Ones actually, and then the Hellfire Club, Mister Sinister the western characters and wolverine and then the rest of it is another almost full comic of them explaining where they got all this information it's 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 literally a bible so whether you get this single issues or if you just buy this as a full set collected i'd recommend it because it's essentially a history book they're killing it and i and i'll i'll be the first to admit i thought this was going to be a cash grab i thought and i i i don't know enough about mark wade to trust him still and i should i should have in the first place because he 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 killed it in um, Daredevil. He killed it in uh, Black Widow. And I know there was a couple others that he did as well, but he was the perfect person to put on this. It's, he's just he's a scribe at this point. He's just writing down everything that happened in the history of the Marvel Universe. It's so cool. So I would highly recommend picking up that book as well. And then two that I'm not reviewing, but I got as well, which were uh, some of those True Believers comics. Uh, that are only a dollar. I'd highly recommend this one. It's Carnage Mind Bomb, uh, one of my favorite Carnage stories. I uh, great story about that one actually. I heard about it because Donny Cates referenced it one time when he was talking about some inspirations, and he'd said when he was a kid he remembered going to the YMCA or something like that, and he his mom dropped him off at the YMCA, and instead he just walked over to the comic shop next door and bought Carnage Mind Bomb because, um, and he loved it because Kyle Holtz actually does the, um, does the, the prints on this. And so he's actually been able to do some work with Kyle Holtz, Holtz. It's Warren Ellis and Kyle Holtz, but it's, it's literally just a one shot, but it's so good. And so I'd never even heard of it before when he had said that. So I looked it up on Marvel Unlimited. And of course, the minute he said that, that, that issue was going on sale for like $50 on eBay. But uh, and it's some no nothing one shot from the '90s. But uh, I read it on Marvel Unlimited while I was hunting in Texas, and so I was up. I was up in the blind, and um, just sitting at that point, there weren't any deer out there, and so I just ha I had saved it. So because the actually no, I got Wi-Fi up there, but I read it on my phone, and I just was like, wow, this is really really good. So I just have a great memory of when I read it, and so when I saw that, of course, it would come out as a true believer during his absolute carnage run, I had to pick it up. And then also the other one is a, um, it looks like it's uh, maximum the first Maximum Carnage issue from Spider-Man Unlimited. I'm going to open it up real quick, but I don't, because they don't technically show you, it's just Maximum Carnage number one. 
Um, they don't ever show you the issue. They kind of edit the front of the cover. Like it's got an absolute carnage sticker on it and it says true believers number one. So what's interesting to me is it's like, okay, so this is a, a dollar issue, but then Marvel puts out those facsimile editions that are three, four ninety nine for the same thing. These obviously have ads in them. It's fine, but it really is showing how much they can manipulate consumers for um, these issues where it's like, yeah, you can read this on Marvel Unlimited, but sometimes it's nice to have a physical copy, but are you willing to pay a dollar for it or three ninety nine for it or four ninety nine for it? Or are you okay with just knowing that you have it at any time that you want on Marvel Unlimited? It's a weird head game that they're playing with us. And so, again, I'm going to do it for a dollar. That's fine. I'll jump in. But, yeah, so those are the comics that I got this month from uh, from Midtown Comics. And uh, no, they're not sponsoring me. Not yet, at least. I'd be glad. I'd be glad to uh, call them out. And I will anyway because they've, they've been great. I've been using them for years. And um, so, yeah, every month I will do that. I will do one special issue where I review all the comics that I get during that month. I got a bunch of others that were variant covers to comics I've already reviewed, but those were all the new ones. So with that said, I'll close this um, this episode out. Thanks so much for listening to Comics and Cinema with your host, Alex Klein. I look forward to speaking with you guys next time. Thank you.